This is a Career Channel program from UC San Diego Extension. Visit us at uctv.tv slash careers for videos, employment news, and trend articles to help recent college graduates and those in career transition bridge to better employment. Hello and welcome to the newest segment of the Career Channel at UC San Diego Extension. We're glad to have you join us again today. And we've got a special guest, Mary Walshock, who is, and I'm going to read this because it's a wonderful title, Associate Vice Chancellor of Public Programs and the Dean of Extended Studies at the University of California, San Diego. Mary, welcome Welcome to the show. Thanks, it's great Phil. to have it's you on board. Fun to be here and in conversation with you, especially. And if you have not met Mary in San Diego, then you're one of the few. But um, Mary is really the guru of jobs and where the jobs are the future are. And I want to start talking about her latest book, which is called Regional Competitiveness, and really talks about the San Diego community and other communities and what San Diego needs to do to keep past. So tell us about the book, and we'll start at the 35,000-foot sure. level. Sure. I think what's really interesting, I did this book with Oxford University Press. It's selling all over the world because all over the world, cities, regions are asking, what are the assets we have that we can mobilize in this new knowledge age to continue to create jobs and a good quality of life. So in the book, we have articles about Japan. We have articles about Latin America, the United States, Europe. And there's a common theme throughout all of them, which is why you and I are talking today. And that is, it's all about the talent. And that regions that are developing people across the spectrum of employment opportunities, not just rocket scientists, but welders are regions that have much more competitiveness because they can move quickly to embrace new technologies, create new industries as old industries die, and also to get into the global marketplace faster and therefore uh, more profitably. So regional competitiveness is a global concern And there's a recognition that there's a global, I hate to use the word, war for talent. Yeah, and our students, be it extension or the university, need to know where the jobs of the future are. Right. They have their heads down, they're studying, they're doing projects, they're doing internships. But we need to have them raise their head and and know where the jobs are coming in the future. Maybe because I'm a university person, I can be critical of universities in a way that you can't because it's clear that university uh, universities to date have been very internally focused academics particularly at universities like mine are helping to build the technologies of the future the manufacturing processes of the future the internet too right personalized medicine artificial intelligence Thank God we have universities doing that. But as a consequence, there isn't the same sort of connectivity to the world of work that we once had when you and I were younger. And our students need that. So what's happening at campuses like mine and San Diego State is deans of engineering, deans of social science even, are building into the curriculum more project-based learning. 
so that Actual students hands-on hands doing on something, stuff, not just reading about it yeah, and reading about right. other people's don't projects. Don't just read about how you motivate people, but build a strategy to motivate people to save $100,000 in their department's budget or to motivate people to go out and do research in the communities that can build a better website to represent who they are. And those are the sorts of hands-on skills. But that's not enough. You and I know that. You have to be a broadly educated person and on top of that have very specific skills and even further be competent to learn across the lifespan. So after three years, your business goes out of business, you can pivot in a month and you can move to a new sector. So it's a very different model. And we've talked about lifelong learning. Right. And before you got your degree, you said, I'm done with education, whatever level it was, I'm done. Even a high school degree, I'm done, and now I'm going to go do what I want to do. Right. And one of the messages we got to get across is you got to stay on top of stuff or you're going to get stale. And then you're going to be left behind. You know, it's so interesting what you say because I think it's all related to the rate of change. There have been fields that have always had to adapt to change. So we talk about lifelong learning. Think about brain surgery, okay? <laughs> and how it was done Hopefully in not 19... Hopefully Neither one of us need yeah. it yet. Yeah. But in 1940, 1950, 1960, which would have been my contemporaries in medical school... Think of what neurosurgery looked like then and what it looks like 40 years later. So you have this long tradition in medicine. Think about bridge building, right? And road construction and, and, and buildings of high rises. Materials have changed. All kinds of, uh, you know, the content yeah. of, of, of infrastructure has changed. So you've had this long tradition of engineering continuing in professional education. What's happened in our world is every job, whether it's a McDonald's job, an office job, you're working for a performing arts center, you're working in manufacturing, technology is affecting how you work and how you produce, and it's changing at faster and faster rates. So that's why lifelong learning becomes the end-all and be-all of staying competitive, regardless of where you are in the economy. Yeah, one of the things I want to talk about in this segment is about the death of manufacturing Mm -hmm. and what jobs are being created and how manufacturing is really changing. And there are lots of jobs. It's just the definition of manufacturing is is very changing. Right, right. And it's, I mean, everything's being upskilled, right, so that uh, a welder today needs to understand composite materials needs to be able to weld many different kinds of arcs and shapes than uh, once was required. And so the, um, the thing that is fascinating, I think, is regardless of where you are in the economy, things are more complex. And the big issue, I'll give you an example. I was doing a lot of work for General Motors. This is 25 years ago. And they were uh, building in robotics and automated systems and computerized manufacturing. And they discovered that 40% of their assembly line workforce couldn't read sufficiently to work with a computer Just at to that learn time. how to yes. work with computers. Wow. So, they could, so, 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 so then you start saying, oh, my God, everybody has to read nowadays. 
no matter where you are, because they're manuals, right, that explain mm -hmm. how things uh, operate. And so I think the shift from when we were kids is if you were clever and smart and maybe minimally literate, you could still get a good job. But most of those jobs have been displaced by higher, higher order manufacturing. And the reality is, uh, Phil, that we are eliminating a lot of traditional jobs. We're creating efficiencies. So take manufacturing. Uh, the way in which we produce goods and services. Again, you and I were kids, the vertically integrated company. Mm -hmm. General Motors had insurance, they did tires, they did batteries. Lending. Lending, whatever you wanted you One could get from General Motors. Oh, they had rental cars, mm -hmm. right? Everything. And that's not the model anymore. Companies are more and more about contracting with external suppliers or hiring individual or small consulting firms. And so those are really good jobs, mm -hmm. but they're not the traditional inside manufacturing or inside marketing or inside uh, uh, jobs that you used to get with an employer. And that's what we need to rethink. Yeah, and we're finding that we need, we need the skill set to pivot quickly. Yes. I, I talk to people that are in college or just graduating and said, I'm, I'm studying accounting, but I'm not sure I want to do that for the rest of my life, so I'm not sure what I say. Right. Ease off. It's okay. The average permanent job in America today is slightly over four years. Wow. And for millennials, it's slightly over two years. Okay, I see. And when I say job, that could be career, too. A typical college graduate is going to have four, five, seven careers, right. not jobs. That's right. So if you think in terms of, I'm majoring in accounting right now, or I'm majoring in engineering, that doesn't mean I'm going to be an engineer the rest of my life. Right. It just right. means that first job out of college. But I'm going to be trained to think and to pivot and to learn how to learn new skill sets. Right. And, and I, I think, think we've, we need to keep that in mind. Right. And I think you've, you've also, I think you've used the term, or I've, I attribute it to you, about your toolkit that you're constantly building your toolkit. When you're 18, you only have a few things in that basket, <laughs> it's right? It's a baggie. It's a baggie. It's a baggie. Pretty soon, you know, it gets to be really substantial. But what I think is interesting as an extension dean is how um, many enrollments we get in foreign languages, right? Mm. Colleges and universities used to require, I don't know if yours did, but mine did. I couldn't graduate without two years of a foreign language. Well, now... Attorneys, salespeople, uh, even scientists find themselves interacting with peers or communities on a regular basis where they have no language skills. It could be Italian. Uh, Chinese isn't so easy when you're a grown-up. But we fill classes in uh, Mandarin, Spanish, French, German, uh, even Swedish, which is well, my background, and huh, so foreign language. But foreign language becomes something you can put in your toolkit. So think about the diversity of our young population. How many kids grow up in Spanish-speaking, or Korean-speaking, or Chinese-speaking homes? And I want to say to these kids. Don't forget your language. Yeah. In fact, talk learn to grandma. Talk to grandma every day. <laughs> learn to read and write in that language. Because if you're an accountant who is conversant in a second language, 
and you're helping a cross-border manufacturing firm and you work for an accounting firm in San Diego, but it's a Korean manufacturing firm in Tijuana, the world's yeah. your oyster. And we need to help kids think about how you bundle these diverse skills, even in the arts, Phil. Think and, about, and acknowledge yeah. it's a skill. It's, it's a not, skill. Oh, I grew up talking Mandarin. Yeah, yeah. But I don't understand much anymore. Well, right. That's a talent. Turn it into something. And right. especially if you, so much of our, um, our economy is growth is overseas. Yes. You know, General Motors, in your example, must right. be in 120 different That's right. countries. And, and so getting experience. Resume, right. A local company. Yeah, getting experience yeah. in other countries right. is a real key to building your puzzles yes. your, of your career. Exactly. And so learning a foreign language and keeping it. What's interesting is I think we also need to talk about what employers are looking for. Because, you know, we're talking about here's the marketplace, here's the world. But, but in fact, there's very good research that suggests that employers really value not just people who are work-ready, but are adaptable and can change. I think you know about, because this is your business, a company called Hired, mm-hmm. where one of their algorithms for tech companies is how many years have you worked for each employer? And if you're a lifer like you and me, forget it. Can't adapt, can't change, only work for one company. What's wrong with you? And no headhunter tried yeah. to steal you away <laughs> right? because you were the best yeah. in that skill set? Right. Yeah, but, keep that in also, mind. So job also, hopping is a different definition do, do, What these we days. used to think of as job hopping as can't keep a job is seen as adaptable, flexible, Opportunistic, entrepreneurial. What did you that's learn the kind at of company person A? What did that you learn gonna at company here? B that you're exactly. going to bring to my company? So and that. so it's interesting that employers like the toolkit. They like the diversity of experience. But we have to be ruthlessly honest that employers themselves are less and less willing to pay for their employees to be developed. In the old days, when I was young and the vertically integrated company, whether it was Allstate Insurance or Neiman Marcus or General Motors or General Electric, they would come on college campuses and recruit young graduates. They'd put them in a three or four month training program. They'd help them develop with the expectation that they'd be with the firm for 20 or 25 pay years. Pay for their MBA. And even pay for their MBAs. But nowadays we're seeing Fewer and fewer employers actually pay, but they want you to have all of these skills. So you have to find a way to invest in yourself, not just in getting your, your first credential, whether that's a high school degree or a college degree, but in constantly improving that toolkit. Oh, you do. And yeah. it's, it's hard on kids, and yet it is going to be a path to success if they figure it out and do it early and often. Yeah, I uh, uh, became obvious to me in a, in a meeting this morning, um, and it was about um, a WeWork-type development in mm-hmm. Scottsdale. Huge. Mm-hmm. It was 600,000 square feet. It was an old mall yeah, that, that developers bought and turned it into, malls. exactly, right. just they're like turning, in the presidential yeah. in Horton Plaza. Right. And they're doing the same, same companies doing it here. And in Scottsdale, uh, the companies they attracted to Scottsdale. Now, we're sitting here in San Diego and Arizona. In, Scottsdale in is a golfing resort outside of Phoenix, yes. yes. <laughs> um, and it's probably 118 degrees there right, right now. now. And we're complaining <laughs> about 82, but yes. that's, that's different. But the companies they attracted were Yelp, Willow, Indeed, Uber, and Amazon. 
to Scottsdale. And they need, they said they crowd in a lot of people in a small space because it's expensive space. And it was mostly people involved in sales. Yeah. So another talent is the ability to make presentations, to get up in front of a group right. and lead a discussion, right. to talk to a client about why you should buy my, my services. Right. We'll, next, we'll talk about the gig economy and that path for life. Right. But it's important that you not only learn engineering or IT or bio, whatever you specialize in, but that you feel comfortable standing up in front of a room and talking about it right. and why your product is better. Because that comes across in the interview, and it's such an asset for an employer right. to go, oh, I'd be so happy to take Mary out to meet my clients instead of, oh, I've got to hide her but in the back. But you know, Phil, it's interesting. So remember that. Yeah, even that is differentiated because Google, Yelp, and Amazon are also in Chicago. And it's mostly focused on sales, but it's in fintech. In other words, it's helping insurance companies, bankers, and law firms integrate financial, you know, web-based financial systems and analytics into their business. In other places, it could be retail. So it's not just sales, but what component of the web capability are you selling? Are you selling it to tourism and visitor industry? Are you selling to retail? Are you selling to financial institutions? Are you selling to healthcare and education institutions? So your point is very, very powerful. It's not just sales, but it's also often within a niche market. Which will be changing. And it's always changing. Once I'm I'm a good presenter and a good salesperson. I can hop from market to market. If I can learn the content. I don't want to be a salesperson. I'm just saying Take your skill set and be able to sell yourself in the interview and sell to the potential right. employer the ability to present your product well. Actually, that is a nice segue into our con- ongoing conversation about the gig economy. Amazing. Because all those skills you've talked about relate to how do you become your own employer? Because we've had generations of people thinking, I have to get that first job. But for many, it, they may create their first job, or they may have one or two jobs, develop a portfolio of skills and connections, and then create, you are your own business. And I think you've even written about that. And it could be as many as one in four uh, in and, another decade or so. And UC San so. Diego's we're doing trying some work to do, on this, we, right, well, to prepare people for we, the gig what economy. We're Tell do, us a little what more we're about doing, that. and you're a part of this with the... Um, uh, workforce Partnership and the EDC and folks like us is trying to landscape what is the gig economy. Is it young kids developing websites? Is it writers who are on contract to write annual reports or do news stories for newspapers and magazines? Is it engineers who've been laid off at Qualcomm but have very specialized skills that they can now uh, contract out to five different companies to support? Is it catering services? Is it a handyman. Have you noticed how now there are all these websites for handyman and home services? I use them all the time. <laughs> I, I have the no hot talent. water heater yeah, just went things. out. But, but I'm saying, and so people who know, who have a set of skills or experiences can 
package themselves exactly like you were saying and learn how to build a website, understand how they can market their services, uh, understand how how to sell the skill sets, how to price it, how to bill for it, how to set up your own IRA and your own health care. You know, all these law firms downtown, I learned when my son made partner, he's his own business. He has his own IRA. He has his own health care. And he has... He manages his portfolio, and he, if you will, the company gets a percentage of his work, and he gets a percentage of it. And and so I think there are models for it. But again, going back to your point, there's certain common skills. Whether you go to work for ResMed or Illumina, whether you go to work for UCSD or Sharp Healthcare or the Symphony, or for yourself. There's certain fundamentals you need. Literally, literally you've got to be literate. <laughs> you've really got to be able. That was alliteration, Yeah, wasn't yeah, it? yeah. You, you've really got to be able to think clearly, read, write, and as you say, present yourself or your product effectively. But after that, there's so much variation in terms of how you can use those skills. And an advantage of those, those skills of how to jump in and out of the gig economy yes. is maternity leave or paternity leave, yes. right? I'm jumping, I'm dropping out of law practice for right. two or three or four right. years to raise my children until kindergarten, and then I'm going to jump back in. You but in it. the meantime, yes. I want to stay active, and there's a whole way for someone like that to keep their law practice Absolutely. going from home. Yep. Maybe not as active, not as many billable hours. But you're still in the game. So when they jump back into the law firm 50, 60 hours yeah. a week, they're up to speed and they no, know what's it's, going it's on. It's a fantastic so it's a example. You and I option. are grandparents on our street. Uh, my, my, my son and daughter-in-law are full-time attorneys. But on our street, there's a woman who worked in marketing in New York, came out here, started a family, still works about 60%, mostly online, on the phone, for the marketing firm while she's raising her Mm -hmm. small children. And she has every intent of pivoting back into a a high-powered job like she had in her 20s in her later 40s. And fortunately, in a full economy, which we have right now, full employment economy, that's realistic. You know, we used to say... Oh, if you get out of the economy, get out of the track. Don't get on a mommy track. Don't get on a beach bum track. You'll be so track. far behind You'll everybody else. You'll be so else. far behind. But because of the web and because of this lifelong learning culture that you and I talk about, you could actually be increasing your portfolio as you pull back a little, right? You could be building that toolkit so that when you're ready to re-enter for the 60-hour-a-week job, you've got a set of skills and experiences that are actually larger than if you'd stayed in the same company. And be thinking about this. If you're dropping out of a full-time engineering career, it doesn't matter, IT, you usually have a year or two ahead that know um, my husband's moving, my wife is moving, this might be a time for me to jump yeah. into the self-employment, the entrepreneur, right. the gig, whatever we call right. it. And prepare for it. Don't, after the fact, say, say okay, oh my now God, what should what I do? Oh, my God, what am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Think ahead that year or two That's ahead right. and prepare for it. What is UCSD? You're, you're talking about them pivoting toward making, well, so, to well, preparing students 
for the option of the gig That's economy. exactly right. Well, tell us the so sort of you things know, that students uh, ought to be looking extension for. programs across America do all kinds of certificate and, and part-time degree programs. And people don't know how many students brag about yeah, how many students you have. Well, it depends on how you count. It's 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 uh, we we last year we reported sixty six thousand, but if you look at the programs we accredit where we certify the instructors, it's closer to eighty eight thousand people who've gone through our programs last year. But it's all over it's the amazing. country. It's Pennsylvania, it's Texas is L A Unified School District. It's all over the place. But I think what's interesting about our conversation is nobody has sort of packaged a set of competencies and skills to be your own boss, to create your own consulting practice. And so that's what we're looking at doing. And in this age of online learning, this could be a terrific uh, resource to young people, not just in the San Diego region, but also to middle-aged people who are pivoting uh, all over the country. So if the research that we end up doing on the gig economy gives us sufficient insight into what the trends are, who is making a reasonable living? Because the gig economy can also be people holding on at earning ten and fifteen thousand a, a year. Is relative. And it's relative. There's still places in America where you can live very, very well. And I'm I'm a complete booster for San Diego. But I also spend a lot of time in places like Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, Rochester. These are beautiful cities with wonderful amenities and great schools. And with this web universe, you can have customers all over the world and live in a big, beautiful house in Pittsburgh when you might only afford a two-room apartment in San Diego or San Francisco. I'm not advocating that, but I'm just saying people have to be open to options. And it's their choice of quality And it's life. their choice, yeah. exactly. Mary, it's been great having you. Nice Thank talking you for, with you. for joining yes. us. Yeah. Think about what you want to do. Don't get so narrow in your education that you're not flexible to move with the industry. And pay attention to what's going on and lifelong learning. And you'll have a successful career for as long as you want one. Thank you for joining us, Mary. Thank you again. Thank you. And we'll see you at the next segment.